How can you personalize your messaging to physicians for greater prescription intent? What are people saying about your brand? How can you make your marketing efforts more precise and effective? These and many more questions are answered on this podcast, which is here to serve as a playbook for all your pharma marketing needs. As your host, Soumya Prakash, co-founder of Multiplier AI Solutions, sits across pharma industry's top experts. This is your place to get all the insights about Gen AI, data and beyond. So, hello and welcome back to the new episode of the Pharma Marketing Playbook, Data, Gen AI and Beyond. I'm your host, Soumya Prakash, and today we are going to delve deep into the intersection of data analytics, AI and the pharma industry. Joining us today is a distinguished guest, Professor Madhu Viswanathan. And Professor Madhu Viswanathan has a rich background in academia and has exposure to diverse industries, including pharma. He is renowned for his expertise in analytical skills, statistical and econometric modeling, data analytics, and market research. He has executed several projects in the past with leading multinational clients. Professor Madhu has done his PhD from the University of Minnesota, Carlson School of Management, and has done his graduation from Bitspilani. Today, he is here to share his valuable perspectives on how data and AI are shaping the future of pharma. So welcome to the show, uh, Professor Viswanathan, and we are thrilled to have you with us today. How are you doing? Hi, Samia. Thanks for having me over. It's a pleasure being here and I'm very excited to talk about an industry that I really like and of course, the area that I've been working for the last 15 years. So to start with, uh, since you have been in the industry and at the helm of data and AI, uh, how have you seen the evolution of data analytics and, and its applications change over the last few years in pharma? That's a great question, actually. So I've been associated with this industry now for the last decade or so, and there's been a marked change as such, right? So uh, if you think about data in the past, uh, you know, pharma always had access to structured data, which was essentially, you know, what did the salesperson do? What visits? You also had clinical data. So there was always a lot of structured data that was available. And depending on which part of pharma you're in. Now, I come from a business background, so I've focused mainly on the marketing and sales aspect of it. So I work a lot on contract design, Salesforce management, compensation plans. And so you would get a lot of rich data in terms of, you know, how many doctor visits you went, what kind of material was sent, what content and so on. So the data was always there. But, you know, you wouldn't call it necessarily analytics per se, at least in the past. People used to have a very simplistic way of looking at data. What I've seen over the last few years, especially, is the growing importance of using this data to provide insights. And I think that is where the advances in machine learning AI might be still a buzzword and not everybody might be using it per se, but it has definitely increased the salience of insights from data. And I think that's a very positive way to look at how the field has been advancing. So where we are right now, I think if you look at the distribution, uh, you know, people talk about where you are on the digital journey, the roadmap and all that, right? 
I think uh, quite a lot of firms are still in the old space in the sense that they're still working with Excel sheets. They still have data which don't talk to each other. So it is very hard for you to, you know, figure out and stitch, stitch together an understanding across different campaigns or across different points in time. So that would be around 25 to 30% of the population. But the ones that are really looking to grow and advance are ones which have now figured out that they need to have more insights. And there you'll actually see a majority of the firms, like the rest 70% at various stages are using data to generate insights, which are then feeding into their compensation plans, their marketing campaigns, and, you know, predictive performance analytics, everything right now. So traditionally, pharma has been a little slower adopter of technology as compared to some of the other industries in general. And data has always been siloed. I think that's a typical pattern that we see because of the entire from supply to the marketing end chain. It's always been a challenge for integrating the things. But you're right, we are also witnessing a change in how people are now perceiving data. Since you mentioned, uh, you know, that there is, you're witnessing a change in the behaviors of people and how they're linking it to compensation patterns and to market research. It would be great if you could show or share with us some examples uh, in your experience of how companies have actually started utilizing this. You mentioned that the companies are uh, using the insights to drive their compensation plans and their market research and also productizing uh, or commercializing various pharma uh, drugs. So if you have any specific examples, if you could share how they actually did the analysis or they utilize the insights, uh, some of these examples that would help our listeners. Gladly, gladly. So I can talk to you about a few of the projects that I've been part of. And so these essentially, you know, these are large pharma companies. I work with both in the US and in the Indian context as well. In one, it was essentially looking at activity-based incentives, trying to figure out if that is actually leading to change in performance per se for the salesperson. And the other thing they were trying to figure out is who is like, who should you incentivize? Should you incentivize the frontline salesperson or should you be incentivizing the frontline sales manager? And, uh, you know, we were able to use a lot of the data that they had provided and we were able to come up with predictions and estimates of where the real impact was and what our study essentially ended up showing. And which was very useful to the firm, which then went on to implement it, is that from a company perspective, the company was much better off incentivizing the managers as opposed to the salesperson. The effects were similar, but just from a cost perspective, it was better for the company to just incentivize the sales managers and they were able to get better profits. So that was one. Uh, there was another one, uh, other one which is just looking at, which is looking at the role of tournaments that are used in compensation design. So as people in this industry might be familiar with, you know, sales contests and sales ranked tournaments are very common within the pharma industry to drive up, uh, you know, sales for certain product lines and so on. So what we're trying to figure out here is disentangle the role of essentially the monetary incentive versus social effects. So we're trying to disentangle the role of monetary versus social reputational effects. So does it really matter 
if I pay you money or whether you get shown on the first page. Now, what we are finding, and this is interesting again, is there is a lot of disutility in being the last person out there. So I do everything to not be the last person or be on the last page. And so it's not about winning. It's just not being the last person out there. And so we are again able to use a lot of data-based insights. And now underlying this is machine learning models, which are able to predict what would you do in different circumstances and then how your responses would be if we changed compensation plans. And so this is just one setup of mine. But of course, if you look into actual more detailed setup, right? If you think about marketing campaigns now, and these are some of the things that you're also doing, right? In the sense that if you think in terms of whom to target, okay, uh, with the kind of data that we have now, you're able to pinpoint and give personalized recommendations and say, these are certain HCPs whom you should be able to target with a certain content. So you're getting personalized content recommendations based on, you know, what kind of HCP is, who they are in the network and what kind of customer clients they are, clientele they're getting, what their recommendation history is and so on. So it's been that kind of journey. And I've seen quite a lot of firms doing that as well. You're right. So yeah, for sales with, you know, so many feet on the ground and the huge amount of salespeople and the humongous cost associated if analytics is being used, that's I think definitely a lot of you know things to learn from those uh, researches that, you know, that have come across. And uh, you also mentioned about the marketing aspect. That's pretty interesting about the ranking because I think digital marketing has become so much pertinent today and uh, physicians also value it that you know they should get the relevant messages, they should get what's important for them. They don't want to be bombarded by multi-omni-channel communications. And how does your research support the change in the behavior of a physician, you know, how he is responding to you know, marketing today? Yeah, see, I think, you know, in the West also getting physician FaceTime is an issue. In India, it's definitely a big issue, right? Uh, there are reports which talk about an average physician spends less than a minute with the uh, salesperson or the agent out there. And so given that FaceTime is so valuable, I think the only way to get your message across nowadays has to be through a digital need. And which is why I think what I'm seeing, at least on the ground, is a lot of complementary efforts. And, you know, of course, uh, these are also side effects of the COVID uh, phenomenon, right? Like people have realized that there are some information that can be relayed digitally. And you're seeing a lot of digital uptake. Uh, I've seen some very cool applications, not in pharma per se, but in associated healthcare, right? So I've seen doctors give out, you know, pre-surgery, post-surgery care advices, videos digitally. I've also now started seeing digital avatars or generated uh, AI-based people giving you this kind of information. And so you're seeing a lot of those practices being implemented. Uh, one of the coolest applications I thought, at least in the sales context, was, uh, you know, there are these opening emails that you send to doctors talking about your product. And the firm that I was working with essentially had their salespeople create videos and of course, it was part of it was generated as well. And then use that to 
send messages to the doctor. So the email had a video link where the salesperson had a personalized message for the doctor talking about the product and so on. So this is a nice combination of technology and uh, you know existing sales approaches. But of course, here's where personalization of data comes in, right? You need to know the doctor's name. You need to know what the doctor's interests are. So it doesn't sound like it's a very general tailored message that you could have recorded once and sent it off. So I think this is what technology helps us do, like achieve customization at scale. And you're seeing a lot of that. You're right. And, you know, in speaking of personalization, a lot of these pharma companies operate in so many countries and even personalizing them with the language and context and the cultural way of putting the things. It goes such a long way in building that rapport. And it's ironical, but true that we are more and more surrounded by AI bots, but still we connect with a human touch much more than before. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, that's that i mean uh, that's something i think which maybe next four or five years we'll see that more and more i think contextual messaging and you know such kind of connects would become commonplace correct and you know from a future perspective right i also see a co-pilot like setup coming for a sales agent right doctors have queries doctors if a patient asks something right the doctors keep note of it and a lot of times they may not have the answers for it right away so something which offers doctors the ability to, you know, dig deeper into your product without having to call you up is one very good resource. And I can see a lot of co-pilot based things which use GPT or any of these generative large language models to answer questions which are very specific, right? And, uh, you know, of course, the danger here is you can't use these uh, large language models as they are now because we know that there is a risk of hallucination that there is no independence across statements as such right the same question asked multiple times can give you different types of answers same flavor but again different versions of those answers and so in a regulated industry there must be checks and balances on what can be said versus what can't be said so i do see a human in the loop kind of a system on this but definitely one where you're getting a lot of uh, queries answered in a more real-time setup. So you, you, you mentioned about hallucinations. I think that is one of the key challenges which pharma has you know, being so regulated and, and it can have an immense impact if anything you know, wrongly is presented. So hallucination is definitely one of the challenges which even we have faced uh, as a concern from our clients. What else do you feel could be a challenge or a roadblock in the implementation of AI into their mainstream operations? See, this is always the case, right? There are pros and cons to everything that is there. I think the pros here outweigh the cons. And uh, like, I also work with the fintech industry and that is again a regulated industry and where you have to really look into what is being said, what you can, cannot do. Uh, and so there are other regulated industries and I think people are figuring out solutions to work with. As of now, it is not clear what they are. But I do see a way forward. I think the pros definitely outweigh the cons in this. Uh, hallucinations, yes, is a concern. I think the large language models themselves are working on it. Uh, so hopefully technology will improve uh, over the span of next few years that we're able to reduce the incidence of hallucinations. But people are also coming up with alternate checks and balance mechanisms. Like I said, the human in the loop is a very easy way of ensuring that whatever is being said 
is correct and is consistent with what needs to be said right you can check for hallucinations and other things with an additional layer that takes care of and and most of these organizations uh, i think not only the top rank but the middle level also do you feel that the data capture is sufficient for being able to train these models going forward or there is still a gap so this is this is just coming from what i've seen right a lot of times what happens is technology adoption or technology purchase happens at the top but adoption happens at the bottom and so uh, capturing data is something that most people don't like especially if it is forced on you right but it's very hard for people to naturally adopt and so unless there's a lot of push from the top and going back to your question i think there isn't enough incentives for mid management to capture the data as well as they would like and partly because they're not yet seeing value from this right this is again the chicken and egg issue you face right i need data to show you value but you will not start collecting the data in a proper sense unless you show me value so people keep going on in circles and which is where leadership top management comes in so i've seen in firms where a lot of times if cios all they're doing is ensuring that we have purchased a certain software or implemented certain things as a check mark on their resume it doesn't seem to work the minute there is change and there is always pushback within the organization on what needs to be done but if they're able to incentivize like saying look i understand that this is a problem this is going beyond the scope of what we envisioned you or workplace as and so we're willing to work with you in sweetening the pot then i have seen a, lo- a much better adoption and then firms ending up figuring out value from that yeah so you know i'm not a f- big fan of leadership but leadership is very useful in making these big changes happen so so do you foresee that going forward maybe the required number of manual sales people or the medical representatives would go down and be replaced with people who are more ai empowered you know with a virtual assistant or how do you see or or the same number of people the industry would still require how do you see that change i don't see the people being replaced i i see them as being more focused uh, they will have more complementary skills see the level of information that people get nowadays about their clients is amazing one of the uh, people i was talking to the sales people a person by the time he walks into the doctor or a hcp's office has a clear history of what the hcp has done so far and what their interests are both from an online perspective and also from their offline touch points and everything else and they are able to deliver at a rate which is unprecedented right if i only have a few minutes with you and if i'm able to give you exactly what you want that is what is efficient that's what efficiency is all about and the rest of things i can digitally deliver nowadays and so to me i think this is going to change the role of sales person or a representative so there is a little bit of relearning upskilling that will have to happen uh because it is you know all changes are disruptive and in that sense there will be some people who are going to be against the change as well but i see this as a net positive because you can make better use of your time and you know one of the things that i always think of is again lead qualification right uh, it's such a huge problem in uh, pharma especially if you think in terms of coverage and everything else and if i can even improve that 
by a few percentage points using technology and everything else that is helping the sales person get better so this is a non pharma example this is very interesting and again it's a data example so this is a this is a firm that essentially gets leads both online and offline and uh, the the sales person here is of course being uh, incentivized based on commissions on sales okay so that's the main incentive compensation that's the main compensation that they have and once they introduce this online lead based thing there was a lot of pushback by the sales team and the pushback was essentially these most of these leads are noise they're not great and so they were rejecting these online leads at a much higher rate than what the online team was expecting now this is where technology comes in right so the uh, online team was able to actually spatially figure out they went back to the data they looked at the rejected leads and then were able to spatially figure out why this rejection was happening so it turns out that essentially it was a function of where these leads were compared to where the sales person was so the sales person if you think about offline leads right usually he will talk to the person like if you are a customer he'll try to get reference from you and your reference are probably going to be in the same geographic area and so it's going to be very close to each other whereas these online leads can be anywhere it, when you say geographic region it's pretty big geographic region right it can be on different parts and so the sales person was rejecting a lot of these leads based on convenience aspect okay and there's also this thing that sales people's bias is there where they always feel like they understand the customers a lot better so these online leads are all noise whereas i can get more money by just working on my leads right but the team was able to figure out digitally that this was going on right so they used technology figured it out so then they used they pushed it onto the managers who then made these sales people work on online leads as well so they could not reject online leads at the rate at which they were doing before and guess what the sales people started making a lot more in sales So this goes back to the chicken and egg I was telling you about, right? About value and then getting data on it. Once they started working on these online leads, they found out that they were much easier to convert, and because they were being paid on commissions on sales, they were earning a lot more than they were before. See, online leads are very much intent based, right? I'm coming to you and I'm filling up a form and saying I'm interested in you. which is much higher intent than just knocking on somebody's door and saying hey your friend referred to me and they have a great service but it's hard to break these things and this is where an interaction of technology and everything came in to say hey look we can change behavior but you can see how there was a push required to move the sales person to a different setup and so on so i think you will get these organizational frictions where people are going to be more reticent or less willing to accept change especially with technology that is feels as if it's taking away your job but in fact it might be helping you it's a fantastic example and uh, you know just brings into perspective which what seems so obvious in terms of the distance factor and the sales disqualifying could be just kind of a game changer for the company and uh, these are i think facts that uh, you know sometimes the data team or the sales team in general i think might just overlook had it not been for that particular digital team so it's a fantastic example and uh, thanks for sharing that definitely there are a lot of hurdles as you mentioned for 
the industry and there might be some you know changes that we will have to see but what are the quick wins if i ask you for the pharma industry or you know couple of giants or the mid zone clients who are looking at actually making now a change what are few areas where they would see an immediate impact if they adopt data analytics on ai i i think digital marketing is an obvious one okay i think digital marketing they should adopt wholeheartedly i think the market is still uh, at a point where you can enter without expending a lot of uh, money and so in that sense it's an easy win as far as i'm concerned it's a regulated industry so you have to be careful about how you go about doing it but it's an easy win uh, once you start adopting it i think the other easy wins are moving over to digital forms of delivery so this can be sending out uh, informational content either through a chatbot based setup or it can be a video of your salesperson talking about different products and so on uh, so that type again is an easy win the last part where the actual sales happen right i think that is going to change over time as people start seeing more and more value from these interactions uh, like you said right people still want to have the human uh, feel to things and so the salesperson will still have to go there uh, but with repeat customers i think it's much much easier i think one of the uh, people i was talking to i was talking about how you could create materials for doctors itself because uh, you know a lot of times if it's a new product the and the doctor is let's say is you know prescribing to a patient the patient himself might have or herself might have a lot of questions which can be very easily answered by the sales person saying here's a company video about this product it gives you details and here's a website associated website that you can go have a gpt based thing company can collect a lot of data on what kind of queries they're getting so that they can rectify it and this can be a very useful loop to build it right so in that sense to me any kind of information dissemination that can happen both to hcps and to end patients are very easy wins in this space in the back end better targeting better selection of hcps uh, better market potential identification using data so all of this again with ml and all is very standard uh, things now and it, you know if you're not doing it you're doing a disservice to yourself uh by not implementing these i think these are all very easy ones so thank you so much i think you know academia is always on a faster track as compared to the corporate so i kind of represent you know the other side so i know it's uh it's very hard for very large companies and you know, all all the challenges and hurdles have been met but definitely the research and the academia and you know people like you can show us how it can be done though it may take some time and effort but the fruits and the impact of it is uh, definitely you know kind of uh, worth it so would you like to give us any further takeaways or any closing thoughts on this podcast it's been very very rich uh, experience uh, talking to you today yeah I I think this is been great but I think takeaways for me is I think when we think think of pharma right pharma plays such a huge role in our uh, overall well-being itself right if you take it from a public policy perspective and you know given that we are in India I feel like pharma can do so much more to reach more people using a lot of the technology that we've been talking about pharma has instituted a lot of practices which are very useful also 
So we're working with a non-profit, which is again looking at, uh, it's a public-private partnership of sorts to improve adoption from a public health perspective. And, uh, you know, they've adopted a lot of the pharma-based business models. And we are finding that it has immense potential to transform lives as such. And so in that sense, I think pharma can play a role beyond just selling drugs, right? The innovations that are happening in the pharma industry can go over and beyond just pharma. I think leaders in the space should start thinking of themselves in that space and say, okay, look, we can actually transform lives and industries in ways that we didn't envision. Yeah, I think post-COVID, I think the role of pharma and the role of medicines and COVID vaccines has kind of, you know, made it clear that this is extremely important to overhaul the whole thing. And uh, it's been really wonderful, you know, sharing with you all these experiences and uh, how much impact uh, we could drive by implementing digital marketing, market research and the AI trends in pharma. So thank you so much for your valuable time and we look forward to you know hearing again from your research and on basis of your emerging trends. So thank you once again and thank you all the listeners for joining us today on this podcast. Thank you for joining us in this episode. We hope that the deep insights and knowledge shared today will help your business and brand grow by leaps and bounds. Remember to follow the podcast and if you wish to know more about Multiplier AI Solutions, please visit the links given in show notes.